Hello, hello, and welcome back to Organic Gardening for Beginners. I am your host, Jessica, from the blog Homegrown Food and Flowers, and this is the show that helps new and beginning gardeners just like yourself turn your backyard and outdoor space into a beautiful and productive area. Whether you are starting out with a collection of pots or raised beds, or you've got an in-ground garden, I'm here to share tips and 20 plus years of gardening experience to help you build your own thriving and sustainable garden that produces fresh food and beautiful flowers for you, your home, and your family. Today's episode is all about what to do in your July garden. Now, I want to add a little asterisk here of I know that depending on where you're at in the U.S. or where you're at in the world, your exact garden tasks are going to vary. Um, What you need to do in a Washington state garden is, of course, different than a Florida garden. Totally get it. However, there are some trends and some general tasks that will apply more or less no matter where you are in the world. Except, of course, now that I think about it, unless you're in the southern hemisphere, in which case You'll have to wait until I get to my wintertime episodes for what to do in the wintertime. Sorry, Australia and the rest of the Southern Hemisphere. Um, In any case, to get back on track. So these are some of the things that you should put on your to-do list, squeeze into your weekends, uh, plan ahead for, you know, depending on what the task is so that you have some idea of what to get to this month, especially if this is your first year gardening or perhaps it's your second year, but last year you kind of petered out at this stage um, of the summer. Totally get it. As I always say, we've all been there. We've all had gardens that didn't either last the whole summer or kind of fizzled as summer went on. So hopefully this will help you this year to stay a little bit more on track, do a couple things that maybe you forgot the first time so that your garden um, will be more productive and healthier throughout the summer. The first thing to do on your list is to cut back spring flowers and vegetables that are done for the season. Now, note that I did not mention pulling them out of your garden. And the reason for that is, by and large, unless the root system is diseased or I'm, you know, kind of rearranging the bed, I don't typically pull out my plants. I cut them off at the soil level and I leave the roots in the ground to decompose in place. And you can go down the rabbit hole of this of like the soil science and the biodiversity of what the the difference can be to plant around old plant roots as opposed to pulling them out. But for right now, I'll just leave it at it's less work. It leaves the beneficial, um, the microorganisms in place, the uh, growths on the roots in place. And so the whole thing, the, the mass just breaks down right in the garden bed. And it can be kind of like a cheater composting system to where organic matter builds up in the soil without you having to introduce it from adding actual compost or manure or um, grass clippings, things like that. So I leave my plants in the garden bed if I can, the roots anyways. Some of these plants that you can cut back now include flowers like sweet peas, as long as they're done blooming, because typically sweet peas are done once the, the days get hot like they do in July. Lettuces, spinach, greens, arugula, Any spring broccoli or cauliflower that you had that you haven't taken out already, definitely feel free to get rid of those because they are done for the season. One exception are spring flowers like snapdragons and pansies. These ones typically don't bloom in the summertime because they prefer the um, cool weather of of the spring. Snapdragons, you know, depends on the variety, but in general, 
But one thing you can do, particularly for pansies, is to cut them back, uh, not at the surface. So you don't want to cut off all the greens. But if you just cut back any of the dead flowers and if there are any ex- the if there are any larger leaves on the outside of the plant that look a little bit sad, and by that I mean like yellowed or torn or kind of withered, cut those off and then just keep watering the plants through the summer. And chances are once this the weather cools off again in the fall, the plant will kind of come back to life and put on a second flush of flowers for you in the fall. I've had really good luck with this um, with both snapdragons and pansies. I'm sure there are others. I just, of course, can't think of them at the moment. But give it a shot if you have the space, if you don't need the space for a more productive summer crop. In line with cutting back plants is deadheading. So if you, if this is a new term to you, deadheading means cutting old flowers off of the plant. So when the flower blooms, uh, it gets pollinated by bees, which is a signal to the plant that that flower has done its job It's been pollinated, so now it can start to produce seeds. So the petals are going to fade and fall off eventually, and the plant will stop producing as many flowers and turn its focus to seed production, which is great if you are trying to save seeds. But if you want to get as many flowers for as long as you can over the summer, then cutting off those flowers once they've been pollinated and start to fade can really help prolong the blooming season of the flower because you are kind of interrupting the life cycle where the plant isn't able to make seeds. So it keeps trying again, trying again by producing new flowers to get pollinated. So deadheading, you can do it every day as you're out in the garden kind of dinking around. You can do it once a week, just kind of comb through your whole garden, whatever is convenient. For some plants, it's really easy, like a branching sunflower, because those flowers are large. For other plants like Cosmos, it's a tedious task because there are so many blooms. Bachelor's Buttons is another one of these where it takes a lot of effort to get all of them. And if you miss some, no big deal. But all in all, it'll help prolong the blooming season of your flowers. Right up there with deadheading is harvesting your flowers. Um, If you're growing flowers for cutting, this is a tough one because you are growing them to cut for your arrangements, but then you want to leave them in the garden. You feel like you're kind of robbing the flowers from the from the plant. And this is especially true for me when I see the butterflies and the bees and the hummingbirds enjoying the flowers. The last thing I want to do is cut them and take them away just to enjoy them in the house. But to help you help encourage you to cut them anyways, the more you cut, the more flowers you're going to get for the vast majority of summer flowers. These flowers are called cut and come again. And we'll get into this in a future episode. But these flowers, the more you cut them, the more the flower is going to produce new blooms. Um, So by picking those fresh bouquets, filling your vases, you're actually helping the plant to produce more for you and those bees and hummingbirds that you're feeling guilty about taking flowers away from. So this is also a great time to plant your last hurrah of hot weather crops like basil, zinnias, cosmo, sunflowers, zucchini. Um, You might be able to get some cucumbers still if you plant them in an area where they get a little afternoon sun, especially while they're still younger seedlings. 
Um, zucchini can be particularly helpful to plant again at this point because the squash vine borers will have already done damage on a lot of the earlier planted zucchini. So you might get away with planting them again so that they suffer less damage and you can still get a good harvest off of them. That is one thing I tried living in South Carolina and it worked off. It was worked out. It wasn't perfect by any means, but it was still a good way to try to get an extra harvest. If you have any leftover seedlings laying around, either from the nursery, you know, maybe they're doing a discount on those spring seedlings or you started some that you just haven't gotten around to planting yet, get those in the ground. Uh, it is definitely time to plant those out. As you are walking through the garden, planting these last straggler seedlings or deadheading, make sure that you're keeping an eye out for any pests or diseases so that you can catch them early on. This is so, so important for pests like cucumber beetles that seem to multiply overnight. They are insane. Um, Colorado potato beetle, I had those really bad on my tomatillo plants one summer. And it was the first time I ever encountered them. It was I remember it was my first garden in California, which I've mentioned once before with the army worms. That first garden was a disaster, just getting used to a new climate, uh, so different than anything I had grown in before. And these potato beetles showed up on my tomatillos and just destroyed it um, because I didn't I didn't act fast enough to start handpicking them off. Um, and if you are seeing any diseased leaves like powdery mildew on your zucchinis or your cucumber plants, go ahead and cut those off. And unfortunately, well, I will say that there's mixed evidence on this. Um, some say you can go ahead and compost it. Some say it's better to throw it away. I typically throw it away just to be on the safe side. So once you cut those leaves off, just toss them uh, so that they don't contaminate the rest of your plant or spread throughout your garden or your compost pile if you are composting. Um, as much as I hate to throw away garden matter, uh, I'd much rather compost it. One way you can help to prevent fungal disease like powdery mildew or downy mildew from spreading in your garden is to water in the morning so that way any leaves that get wet will have time to dry out in the heat of the day um, and that can help prevent like those fungal spores from spreading so easily throughout the garden. Okay, so you also, speaking of watering, make sure that you are not watering lightly and frequently. That combination will encourage your plants to grow very shallow root systems because you're providing water right at the soil surface frequently. So they have no reason to send their roots deep into the ground to plumb for water. So instead of watering for 5-10 minutes every morning, try watering for 10-15 minutes every four days or so. Uh, and if you're noticing that your plants are wilting in the heat of the day, but then they are perking back up and reviving over the night or overnight and they look good in the morning, then you're good. Don't be put off by them wilting a little bit. However, if they wilt during the day and they don't recover at night, then step up your watering game. Uh, every four days is too little. So try every three days, every two days until you find a good rhythm to match the plant needs and the weather that you've currently got going on. For container gardens, you can start kind of refreshing those with your plantings, whether that's cutting them back, uh, like we already talked about, putting in some of those summer seedlings like the zinnias or basil. Uh, you might think about putting in a little bit of fresh compost or worm castings, depending on what was previously in there. If it was a heavy feeder, like say you had snap peas um, or excuse me, sweet peas growing in that container. 
um, or if you're planning on putting tomatoes in, then a little bit of extra compost can usually be an awesome thing to add in there. If you need to add in any mulch, now is a good time to do that. If any has washed away or kind of gotten displaced as you are planting all those seedlings, um, don't feel like you need to take away any old mulch. You can just add it right on top. Don't forget to keep track of your garden records. This is a great time to start noting down when you're seeing signs of bugs or disease, maybe recording how your spring plantings performed. Maybe they overperformed and they did better than you expected. Maybe there was a variety that was kind of underwhelming and you want to make notes so that you don't plant it again. You can make note of the last frosted date that you had if you haven't written this down already, because trust me, by the fall, you're going to forget when that was. Uh, so keeping track of your garden records is a very good thing to be keeping up with in July. If you are going on vacation, don't forget to, gar to get a garden babysitter, somebody to come and make sure that your irrigation system is running as it should, to hand water if that's the route you're going, to harvest. If you go away for even just a few days and your zucchinis are already producing or your tomatoes are ripening, you will come back to a lot more garden produce than you can use. And uh, it's much better to have somebody come in and keep picking it so that way production stays high. Just like with the flowers, say a zucchini plant, if it's producing enough fruit that's not getting harvested, then that uh, zucchini keeps getting bigger and bigger and starts to produce seeds, then it's going to slow down its production when you come back and eventually harvest that uh, overripe zucchini fruit. A garden babysitter is also awesome if there's um, for flowers, for deadheading flowers, for harvesting flowers, keeping production high on that end. Two of the last things are to put out a bird water or a bird bath um, so that way your bird friends can still find some water as the days heat up. Um, I just learned a tip the other day. I saw somebody who put a an old wine cork in um in a bird bath, and they also used an empty corn cob. And I thought, what a clever idea, because then it just floats no matter how much water is in there. And that makes a little landing pad for bees and butterflies that can't access deep water, depending on, you know, say it's a bucket or something like that, where the level of the water is too far down from the rim, where a bee doesn't feel comfortable landing and drinking, they can just perch on the uh, corn cob or the cork and access the water that way. So I will definitely be putting that into use this summer. And then the last thing to mention for your July garden is to think about a fall garden. This might seem a little bit uh, early to be thinking about a fall garden, considering I'm just now talking about harvesting flowers and harvesting zucchinis and getting your last seedlings in the ground and all that. But you, depending, of course, on where exactly you live, you will want to get your fall garden in uh, usually around August. So that way your plants have enough time to grow and mature before the days get short and cold and growth really slows down. We'll dive into this a little bit more in a future episode, but fall gardens um, are best planted out at the end of summer, but not too late. So that way they have enough time to grow. So it takes a little bit of planning, both for getting those seeds started, but also for where you're going to put all those new plants when your garden is packed full of all your summer crops. So just start thinking about it, mull it over, maybe write down a few things that you want to try this year. All right, that sounds like a long to-do list, but remember this is going to be spread out over the whole month and many of these tasks even apply next month. Um, so don't feel like you need to run around like crazy uh, getting all of these things done. These are just little tasks to pick away at through the month to, uh, you know, choose one or two to work on on the weekends when you've got a little extra time. 
And the ounce of prevention of this, um, these chores is going to pay off with a pound of cure when you've got bouquets of flowers, baskets of tomatoes, your plants look healthy, you're keeping on top of any pests that are coming to try, that are trying to come in. And uh, it makes your summer garden that much better. If you're getting value, please don't forget to subscribe and follow according to your podcast player. And I will talk to you next week. Bye. Thank you.